Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome to CEO Show. We're here today with Bert Bean. How are you, Bert? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Robert. My pleasure. And Bert is the CEO of Insight Global, which is one of the largest staffing organizations, but they do things very differently. So let's start off. You're in a highly competitive space. Explain what the Insight Global model is and why it's different than any other organization. I guess just for some context, we started in 2001 in our founder's basement. All of our growth has been organic, except for uh, one uh, modest acquisition that we did about 10 years ago, which is a, a, a very important but still smaller part of our overall makeup today in terms of revenue. We are a $4 billion talent solutions company or staffing company. We are big into IT staffing. We're big into accounting finance and engineering staffing. We're big into professional services, so now we'll actually build teams for customers and do more deliverable-based uh, project work. We also have we have a whole sort of suite of sort of consulting options and consulting uh, segments that we can get into that have come from staffing uh, that we help our customers with. But uh, our, our growth has been organic, as I've said, since 2001, and is to now to the tune of four billion dollars revenue, a little north of that actually. And we do it by just betting on our people. I mean, we are fanatical about how we hire in people with no experience in staffing, no experience in recruiting, training them on our processes, training them on, on how we like to, to, to do things here, and then just becoming obsessed with their overall development, as we say personally, professionally, and financially, so they can help us be the light to the world around us. And so we've just kind of really seen by taking that sort of approach to say, yes, of course, our customers are important and our candidates or consultants are important. You know, let's really focus on putting the employee at the center of how we look at the world. And if we can do that, then everything else seems to sort of take care of itself. When you talk about betting on people, you have a lot of unique practices. Uh, let, let's just start off. One that we've spoken about before is this concept of paper chains. Just share that because CEOs listening in, and we've about 600,000 CEOs listening in, you will love this concept. You know, one of our shared values, and we can get into what our shared values are that, that we um, sort of unearthed in the company about five years ago. One of our shared values is everyone matters. And it's important to me, you know, what, what, like I started with a company in 2005, and it was still a pretty small company, and it was so great to, to to feel as if you are seen, right? And I think that one of the harder problems that companies have is the larger they get, the more they scale, the harder it is to make your employees feel really seen and feel like they really matter. And you know, when I became CEO in 2018, that was really important to me, was to make sure that all of our newest hires that we hire in at the recruiter level here, which is 90% of our hires, uh, it's important to me to make sure that they know that they're seen. And so. At our company, really how we grow is, is we hire in recruiters, we train them up, and then we promote them into other uh, promoter roles in the company. They can be longer-term recruiters, they can be account managers, which are salespeople that actually interact with the Fortune 500 customers um, of ours to, to understand what their demand is. Um, and so it's important. it was important to me to make sure even our newest people knew that, that they were seen here. And so um, when I became CEO in 2018, uh, we, we've got private equity owners, and, and they're great. Private equity is, is, has been good for us. And while private equity is really good at, at math and forecasting and modeling, um, you know they don't know how to run your business, and, and they'll be the first to tell you that, uh, at least all the really good ones will. Um, and, uh, and it's important as a CEO to make sure that you make sort of your own decisions um, 
uh, around that and taking the modeling and taking the forecasting but still run your own business. And why that's relevant here is because in 2018, we had a really bad turnover problem. And I should really say 2017, 2016, 2015. I mean, we were we had so much turnover in the company. Our culture was, was, was broken, really. And one of the ways that we were trying to solve for it was to just hire even more people the next year. And I know that we, you know, we hired a lot of recruiters in in 2015. Most of them quit. Well, I guess that means we got to hire even more the year after that. And it was we were just becoming, um, just the culture was becoming just so broken because of that. It was becoming just a negative place to work. And one of the ideas, um, one of the, the I guess the, the first big bets that I took as a CEO was I told our private equity partners. I said, I'm going to hire less people in 2018 because you can't quit if I never hired you to begin with. And that's going to be one of the ways that, that we start to lower turnover. And they said, well, okay, that makes sense, sort of, but you better really fix this turnover problem because otherwise, if you don't, then now you just shrunk the size of the company. And you're really only going to be around for maybe a year as CEO if that's, if that's what happens. And so um, in order to really... Um, make good on that bet in order to make sure that our people are seen, in order to make sure that I had a nice way to track our ability to lower turnover and, and measure the production, measure our success there through the amount of people that we promote, was to make a big, long link of paper chains. And at the time, it was 350 paper chains that, that I had made, interlocked in, just like you'd see in grade school. And it was for every single person that we promoted into a new role at our company uh, that was a new hire for us, uh, I would, I'd, I'd clip the, uh, the chain down and write their name on it with a note from me and their phone number, and we would mail that to them uh, so that they knew that, that I saw them and I was celebrating their promotion and that they could call me if they could ever help me out. And so that was really fun, and we did that for the first year, and then it just kind of became a thing that I had to keep it going. So now every year, I, I get a new uh, 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 link of paper chains. I think you can see them now. Um, and it's based on the, our promotion goals that we have for all of our newest hires. And this year that the goal is to do another thousand promotions from the you know thousand plus hires that, that, that we'll make this year. Um, and so it takes a little bit of time, but it's just an, it's another way that I can try to feel connected to our people. That's another way that I can feel really grateful for what our people are doing every day. Sales is a really tough job after all. And it's another way that our people can see and, and feel seen, uh, by me. And I get texts from our people all the time because of it. Phone calls, emails, as you would imagine. And it's just a, it's a really fun way for me to stay connected. I like that you give your phone number personally as well, but part of it is also like about this handwritten letter. And that's something you learned from your mom, isn't it? Yeah. My, my mom was, uh, look, she was always very, very big on me and my brother and sister writing handwritten notes, uh, to all of our relatives after birthday parties and Christmas and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, as thank you letters. And, uh, and I do think that the thank you letter is sort of a, an old school thing that unfortunately has been, I think, lost in this sort of digital age now. But people love getting a handwritten note. And so, yeah, it takes a little bit of time. And, and, and I, I love conveying that, that little bit of time that, that you take to write a handwritten note. I, I think it just kind of means more. I, it means more to me whenever I receive a handwritten note. Um, I've learned a lot about about just business overall, I think from my mom. I mean, one of the things that's that's big for us is we don't believe in doing any layoffs, Robert. I think we, we might've talked about that before, but we, we didn't do layoffs in 2008. We didn't do them in 2020 when our whole industry, you know, retracted 30%. I mean, 2020, it's funny. People have, um, 
talked about 2020 as, oh, that wasn't really a recession and it wasn't so bad. Well, that was a really scary time in the economy for about four or five months there. And um, our, our industry contracted and, and all of our major competitors had to do major layoffs or at least did do major layoffs. Um, we did not. And, uh, and we, we haven't done them now and, and, and we certainly do not plan to. And um, one of the reasons I believe in that is a couple of reasons. One is I just fundamentally don't think you should use people to use people's livelihoods to, um, to hit your financial numbers that you create in a boardroom, you know, a year ago. Um, uh, but also it's, it's personal for me. I mean, my, my mom was, was one of the top salespeople at the big fortune 500 company where she worked and, uh, she sold a product that the company decided to move away from. And this is a big, big, huge company. I mean, they're fortune really 50 company. And because they moved away from that product, um, Instead of doing the hard work to get in to figure out, okay, well, who are at least the best people that we need to try to keep and, and who should we try to reallocate and stuff? Instead, they had a conference call and then in 17 minutes, they let off over 1,200 people just like that and my mom included. And so she called me one day with tears in her eyes. I was in college and uh, she was like, you know, if you're ever running a company, please don't ever lay people off on a conference call like that. You have no idea what that, what that you know, did to my confidence. And this is my mom speaking. And, uh, and so I just, that always stuck with me and I just, I don't think it's something that you need to do. So yeah, I mean, I, my, my mom and, and my dad for that matter too, but both parents have been just a, a amazing, um, amazing examples of, of, uh, of how to succeed in business. Well, I, I will say your mom must be so proud of you when she sees what you're doing now. And she really gave you the fuel. And sometimes the uh, CEOs always tell me the greatest opportunities are hidden beneath the greatest obstacles. We're about to take a commercial break. When we come back with Bert Bean, we're going to talk about shared values. And we're also going to talk about the future of staffing and how that helps the economy grow. Back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese on The CEO Show, where we interview the CEOs who have reinvented the fabric of America. We're speaking with Bert Bean, who is the CEO of Insight Global. This is a company that, within two decades, moved from startup to $4 billion, over 5,000 people. And, um, and actually, when you count consultants, I think there's 25,000 more consultants. But we've heard about a unique practice and a whole philosophy of deeply caring about your culture, about your people. And I think at the heart of that is really your shared value. Yeah, so Robert, it, I, I think about it like this. I think any company, and I don't care if you're selling a service, a product, or otherwise, any company, any organization for that matter, is only going to be as successful as their people's willingness to care. Okay, so if you think about it that simply, if your people don't really care about where they work or what they're doing every day, you're just not going to get their best effort. You're just not. And that's that's going to translate into your results. And I think sadly, uh, in our world today, a lot of people don't really care. They're working a job because maybe they need to financially, they've got bills to pay. But are they really motivated to bring their absolute dead level best every day? Some people are, I and mean, some people are probably wired that way just because that's the kind of character that they possess. But I think as CEOs, our job is to try to create those environments where we can tap into and get the best of our people. And the reality of it is that, at least in my company, most people probably didn't grow up as little kids in this country saying, I can't wait to get into staffing, right? <laughs> so you've got to make it more about the 
more about the actual work. And so um, in 2018, as we were undergoing our sort of cultural transformation, we realized that we didn't really have values like really written down anywhere that we identified with that was important to us. I, I, I think said a little bit differently, values, I feel, sort of really define who you are, right? Who you, who you are, what you are, what you believe in, and that sort of thing. So we went on this journey to really discover what those are for us. And it, it, we, we went through this long process that, that, we, that we have named and we call Compass. We, we sort of created ourselves. And it's, it's basically where uh, myself and my leadership team, uh, plus it was 28 of us, we found this house in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming, or sorry, Utah. Um, and, uh, and we went there to really cut ourselves off from the rest of the world to try to really figure some stuff out, certainly around who we are and how do we sort of, uh, reverse and build this culture back to where it needs to be so that we can get the most out of our people so that we can grow again. And um, before we really got into the real like tactical work, I, I wanted us to get really vulnerable with each other. And so I had us all get in a circle, 28 of us, it was a big circle, big house. And everybody had to share their proudest moment in their career and their lowest moment in their career. And the way this typically works is that if you think about your lowest moment in your career, um, you know, everybody can kind of think about what that is, but there's normally a rated R version of that. And there's like a PG rated version of that. And I wanted the rated R version. I really wanted people to go there. I wanted people to take the mask off because when everybody has the mask off, now I know really where you stand. Now I know really who you are. I know really what's important to you. And if you really want to do that well, the leader has to go first. So that meant I had to go first to set the tone. I took the mask off. I shared my proudest moment in the company and I shared my darkest moment in the company. And then everybody else went and then they shared and this crazy thing happened. Like everybody started to cry like multiple, multiple times. And, uh, and it was this really beautiful moment where, you know, we, we had all grown up in the company together. We all started as recruiters after all in the company. Uh, but we didn't, and we thought we knew each other well, but we didn't know each other at, at that level. And uh, you heard people share things they never told anybody before. And then from across the room, somebody would say, I've struggled with that same thing. And I've got your back next time. You never have to walk that lonely walk again. Um, and so it was, uh, it was a really cool moment for us. And so, as you can imagine, 10 hours later, um, we really knew who we were and who we wanted to be. So the next day when we said, okay, let's create our shared values, we, we knocked them out in about an hour tops. And one is everyone matters, right? As I mentioned earlier on the show, you know, we believe that we're a place where everyone matters. It's not just a sales culture, not just a recruiting culture. We've got our consultants to think about our customers, our operations folks, everyone matters. Number two is we want to be a place where, um, where you can lean on us. You can count on us. Our second shared value is more of a phrase is we take care of each other. Um, we can't always, um, we can't always help people or, or we can't always prevent tragedies that are going to happen in people's personal lives, but we want them to know that we can be an anchor that they can, a place that they can anchor to if they find themselves in one of life's storms. So number two is, is, is we take care of each other. Number three is leadership is here to serve. Um, we want to be a, a player coach type of organization. We want to be a company where our leaders are not afraid to get in the trenches and do the job with their people. And so three is leadership is here to serve. Number four is high character and hard work above all else. Uh, we consider that to be sort of the linchpin of the shared values. Um, this is this is the one that's important. It's hard for everyone to matter. It's hard for us to take care of each other. It's hard for leadership to serve the people if the people don't have high character and hard work above all else. And then lastly is always know where you stand, right? 
uh, as we were thinking about our own journeys and some of our darkest moments in our careers, it was when we didn't exactly know where we stood. We didn't know if we were going to be promoted, demoted, fired. We just didn't know. So we wanted that last year value to be always know where you stand. And so we, we developed these, and we developed a lot of other things at this retreat that we called Compass. But these were real powerful. And as we were thinking about how to release them to the company, we started kind of testing them out in different groups. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, boy, that sounds great. Are those our values? Because I can really connect to those. And as I was right before we released them, I was talking to my executive coach one day and asked him, I said, hey, how often should I be talking about these? I really want these to be adopted. And he said, Bert, if you're not talking about these enough to where you're about to throw up in your mouth at the thought of talking about them again, then you're not talking about them enough. And so he said, all right, let's go. So we rolled them out in January 2019. We started messaging everything that we did through these. We started setting up trainings around these. We, we, we interviewed people to join the company through these. We, we hired through these. We did, you know, before we did promotions, we, we, we looked at people through these lenses. And these really became um, the, the litmus test for being able to, to work here. Uh, we had to part ways with people that didn't align with our shared values. And they've really been such a guiding light for us here, more than, than I ever anticipated. I mean, we, we worked here. I, I've been here. I was here for, for almost 15 years before we created the shared values. And it was something that we didn't really know that we even needed until now. And I think that's how that goes in a lot of companies. I mean, you see so often values that are just sort of words on a wall. And the, the trick is, how do you make your values real and really look for ways to live those out? And the show is not long enough, Robert, for me to talk about all the ways that are people that, that we have activated them. But what I can tell you is we've activated them in about 100 different ways. And so I say all that to say, that's how you really identify what kind of culture you want to have. And then once I have that, once I have something that people can anchor to, now all of a sudden, now I do want to bring my best. Now I actually, now you are going to get a little bit more of me. If that's the kind of company we are, then yeah, I can identify with that. And then it's all about getting to your purpose. And our purpose was something that we created on this trip as well. And we wanted our purpose to be, our purpose is to, is to develop our people personally, professionally, and financially. And that was just it. Right? So if if the, if the values are who you are, then why you do what you do as a company becomes really important for us. Why we exist as a staffing company was to grow our people personally, professionally, and financially. And that, that really seemed to stick, and that was nice. And we rolled that out in, all that in 2019. And, and what we saw in 2019 was that was adopted, and it was great. But what we also saw was toward the end of 2019, we saw a real appetite for people that were growing professionally, professionally, personally, professionally, and financially, people that were living out our shared values, but they started doing things more in the world and communities around them. So for instance, we had this one recruiter in our Houston office that had, uh, you know, had, had a contractor working for, for one of our customers. One of our customers lost funding. The contractor rolled off assignment and was quickly without a job. This was at the same time the contractor had a sick child in the hospital. So one of our recruiters raised $5,000 in her Houston office and paid the medical bills to get that contractor's kid out of the hospital. And that bought her just enough time to get her contractor replaced. When I started seeing things like that, I, I, was, I was really awestruck because I was like, okay, we've never seen that type of action out of the company. Like, that's different. That's, that's really interesting. And so that got me thinking that there's probably more there's more meat on that bone of our purpose. Maybe, maybe the purpose of just growing our people personally, professionally, and financially is not quite enough of a just cause for people to get behind. And so, um, 2020 happened uh, shortly thereafter. That about about you know, as, as we all remember, three months into 2020, uh, that's when COVID hit. And um, 
you know, I, I, I was thinking about some, some language that I had come across recently and how to apply it. And on the first call that I did on March 12th with the company, um, I, shared, I shared with everybody that, you know what, as I was talking through what our recession plan was going to be, as we're about to send people home, I shared with everybody, look, this is our moment to work as hard as we can to be the light for the world around us. And those three words, be the light, was what we tacked on to the end of our purpose. And that was really what got us through COVID. And I've got a lot more to talk about that. And is that, that, exciting? Is that exciting? For the tons, for the of, people tons of people who might want to work there or CEOs may want to work with you, what is your website? Our website is www.insightglobal.com. And there you have it. I want to tell you, Bert, what a pleasure it is having you on the show. And I commend you for what you've done. Your mom must be so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and CEOs. So let's think about this. Number one, three things. Number one, take your mask off. You got to be your, your true self. And that's the first step. And you got to get everyone to do that. The second thing is more of a tactical thing, but it's a big one. Handwritten letters. I always say the secret language of CEOs is the handwritten letter. And that's because everyone knows you took the time to do it. So write those. And the third thing, and I think maybe the biggest of everything, is build your entire culture. If you want a great culture, like an Insight Global, build everything around the shared values. Thanks, Robert.